There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. joining us for BR Geek, where everyone is a geek about something and where we cover your pop culture landscape through our geek lens. I am Miss Shannon, here with my regular co-host and podcast life mate, Jayton Satia, the executive director of the Twin Cities Film Fest. How is your social distancing efforts going, uh, Mr. Satia? Oh, it's going great. Even within our household, we're social distancing. There's only so much of each other we can have, you know. <laughs> So my son literally went downstairs to watch TV. My wife and I watched something that we wanted to watch. And then I slept on the couch because I actually just wanted to, because I actually like the harder surface and our bed is too soft. <laughs> I wanted to wake up early to go work out. So I actually purposely slept on the couch. So we, and so she was sleeping in her room. He was sleeping in his room. That was social distancing all over the place. So it has been a surprising benefit, this need to social distance. You've got to make it positive. You have to make everything positive. So we're doing our best. Now everything is going well. The fact that you are already on your five-year-old's nerves, that's amazing. (laughs) Oh, totally. He literally told me the other day, he goes, like, Papa, go to your room. Cool, dude. Cool. I'm going to my room. Nice. Everything with you. We are doing well. I mean, the Paul household is already pretty spread out. It's just me and the 12-year-old um, and the cat. So we are quite able to uh, get away from each other if we do. And he is a, uh, a very appropriate tween in that he vacillates between thinking mom is the coolest person ever and then going uber emo. And it really only takes about 60 seconds to go from one to the next. I am accustomed to him kicking me out of his room. So that happens. You're also. talking about your cat. Nope. Nope. <laughs> the cat follows me around all day. The cat, all like, day. yeah, Damn. all day, every yeah. day. The cat's like, what you got? What you doing? Other than that, we're doing okay. I uh, I am very Good. excited to be able to talk to you and check in and see what's going on. I know that we are doing some adjustments with some of the content at the Twin Cities Film Fest, and so we'll talk about that as well. But continuing on with what we started last week, the other side benefit of what is going on amidst all of the COVID-19 chaos is that a number of our friends who we normally had a difficult time getting on our podcast suddenly have free time. So they were people that always were like, yeah, I'm willing to be on your show and that'd be great. And then as Jayton said, scheduling just never worked out. And now people are saying yes, amazingly enough. Moving into that realm, our guest today, a friend of mine and Jayton, I think that you are going to truly enjoy him. My good friend, Dave Barsky. Uh, so Dave, hello to Jayton. I'm glad that I got to introduce you to my podcast, Live Mate. Well, hello, Jayton. And uh, thank you for having me on. I'm really, uh, really happy to be here, actually. Now, uh, just to bring everybody up to speed, Dave Barsky is one of those friends that I met in a, a, a group environment because I ran into him first at the local Doctor Who convention here in the Twin Cities console room. So last year, um, and I'll be honest with you, I think he doesn't remember this, so I probably should remind him. I think I was a little mean to him in the bar because I had had wine and he comes across a little bro when you first meet him. But then we got past that and now we're friends and everything has been great. <laughs> I, is that know, your recollection, David? <laughs> I don't know. I, I Well, I, first of all, I do remember it was the bar, of course. <laughs> uh, that's always a good start, if you remember it was the bar. 
Right. True. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't think you were mean. A little standoffish, I would say. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That is a kind way of you to put that. Okay. I will give but you if that. I, if I were, I, I, I've never considered myself bro although other people, I guess, it's about a perspective, I guess. True. But I was drinking wine myself. <laughs> How bro is that? It was not like I had a, like a stein of beer or something. You're from Los Angeles. So so you met a Minnesotan. I'm not sure if you met a Minnesotan before. He'd been here before. Oh, I was yeah. Say, is, is that why he was so bro Because he was from L.A.? <laughs> Maybe because he lives in L.A., but he's not from L.A. So he has all of the coastal energy. I feel like I was like, why are you asking me questions? <laughs> well, listen, I, I've lived in Los Angeles for 27 years now, I believe, 28. Uh, I'm originally from Boston. Uh, so I still retain that. I mean, right. I'm a total Boston dude. There's uh-huh. no question. People in, people in L.A. don't know what to think of me. You know, sometimes <laughs> they can't take. Me. So I'm cool with that, though. But Minneapolis actually is one of my favorite cities in the United States, if not the world. I love the, the people there. I love the food there. I actually worked uh, out of an office there for a few months uh, back in 2014, and I, I really grew to love it. Well, we are always happy to have you back, and hopefully that happens again very soon. The other thing about Dave is he's also one of those friends, and Jaden, this will make sense to you because we have a couple of these friends, that you meet them in a particular setting, and then after you get to know them longer, you're like, wait, you do what? Because along with the fact that we're going to talk about his particular passion today, or one of his particular passions today, that we do have to remind people that uh, Dave Barsky is definitely one of the coolest people we know because he has the coolest job that is a job that we always have to get people to explain to us because he's like an executive producer for a lot of shows that we think are fantastic, including his recent one, Straight Up with Steve Austin. But he doesn't lead with that because none of our friends lead what they do cool stuff. And then you hang out with them for a while and you're like, wait, what's your job? Because you presume you meet them in a setting and everybody works in IT and none of our friends work in IT. <laughs> so Dave, and you are not the only person I've ever asked this question to. I was also very rude and asked uh, Justin Kirk, um, who was the executive producer for a film that was being showcased last year at the Twin Cities Film Fest. What does an executive producer do? Is what we want to know. What do you do? I really wish I knew. Actually. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm faking it half the time. I mean, these these titles are, are quite nebulous in, in, in television and film from show to show to film to film. Um, you know, an executive producer, though, in a nutshell, it's sometimes um, for, as, as far as television goes, is also known as a showrunner colloquially. And so you are basically responsible as an executive producer for the soup to nuts from the conception to the final delivery to the network of the show. That is uh, research uh, coming up with what episodes uh, are going to be uh, on the show, what the, an arc, if anything of the show will be uh, and then hiring other producers to help you execute it, hiring editors and overseeing the edit process as well until you deliver and it airs. Right. Uh, that's in a nutshell. Well, that sounds like a lot to keep you busy, and you have executive so produced a IT number. the IT side, you're a project manager. Uh, I guess. I am so stupid. I have. I, I don't know anything about IT. <laughs> I, those, I have so many friends in IT, and I, I just shrivel in, in, in their intellect. I really do. <laughs> Why don't you real quick just tell everybody some of the other shows that you've done, Dave? Cause, and I heard this on one of the other shows you did, that you predate IMDb. So you might as well just oh, laundry God. list a few of them. So. Yeah, yeah, I've been in television for quite a bit. Um, I, I, I started, ooh, let me see, 1995 um, uh, on shows for A&E, 
Uh, show was called Mysteries of the Bible and Ancient Mysteries with Leonard Nimoy. Wonderful. Uh, so, and that was great for me. It was one of my first jobs in television. Actually, it was my very first job in television, working with Leonard Nimoy, and yeah. I'm a huge Star Trek geek, you mm -hmm. know, so it was ridiculous to be working with a guy like that, you know, an international cultural icon. Right. Um, but from there, I, you know, I, I stayed in cable mostly uh, and with uh, Discovery and A&E and History Channel. Uh, I did a show for, say, like, a third of my career now has been a show called Dirty Jobs on Discovery Channel, which lasted for seven years, and that was quite popular. Mm -hmm. uh, they still air it, you know, yes. to this day. It hasn't we haven't produced it since 2012, uh, but they still air it like marathons almost every other month on Discovery, apparently. Um, and let me see. I know, and of course, uh, for um, for Travel Channel, I did a show called Bizarre Foods. Yes, which is oh, with Andrew. Is well, yeah, that is what, yeah, with Andrew Zimmern, uh, who is a Minneapolis personality, and that's what took me to Minneapolis. And I worked out of the office there uh, in Eden Prairie for a bit, uh, for a couple of years. I was the executive producer of that show for two years. Uh, until and I Jane, left and I, because... Jane and I both know Andrew very well. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I, yeah, I mean, he does, he does a lot for that community. He, he loves uh, Minneapolis. And honest to God, you know, I don't know if there's anybody. Uh, that knows more about food in America and perhaps the world than Andrew Zimmern. I mean, I love food and I love doing that show. Uh, Did you, you know, ever probably, eat any of the food? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, everybody always asks me that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, and, and I, I, I'm very, a very adventurous eater. And one of the reasons why I enjoyed being on the show uh, was trying some things. Right. But, the main problem, though, I was getting a little frustrated because as the executive producer on that show, I wasn't out in the field directing or anything like that. I went to the first couple episodes, uh, traveled with the first couple episodes, the two seasons I was on. So, But I was mo mainly in the office supervising the editor. Right. Of the editors. And and uh, I wanted to get back out there and travel because I had done that for many years and I enjoyed doing it. So I, I, I left the show because <laughs> I wanted to get back. <laughs> Road. Ah, yeah. fascinating. So did you just get the footage back and you're like, I wanted to eat that. Why didn't I get to eat that? Oh, yeah, pretty much. That was <laughs> that was part of it. I mean, but they were going to amazing places, you know, like Vietnam and, and Colombia. But, you know, I went to Pittsburgh and uh, <laughs> with the show, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, then we, I did get I did go to Mexico City as well. Then some of the best food in my life was there as well as Portugal, best seafood in my life in Portugal. Yeah. So but uh, but I honestly I missed out on a lot. I felt so I, I had to move on after two years. Right. And now you are working on straight up with Steve Austin. You guys have everybody can if they're looking for something to binge, they can binge the first season, uh, which is out there. And you would be working on season two right now. But unfortunately, like a lot of our friends uh, working in the entertainment industry, things are on hold while we are staying healthy and safe. Um, so we hope that you get to get back out there very soon. Um, but for people who are not familiar with Straight Up with Steve Austin, can you tell us what that show's about? Yeah, uh, it's it's basically sort of uh, if you're familiar with uh, Jerry Seinfeld's comedians uh, in cars getting coffee, I think it's called. Um, it's that on steroids, right. if you can imagine. Um, instead of cars, we're riding in tanks and crushing cars, things like that. We did we did six episodes last season, and there was a pilot that also aired. Uh, we were slated for eight episodes uh, this season, two of which would have been in, in the can by now. We would have wow. shot two last week, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, so we it's one celebrity per show, and Steve interviews them in interesting settings and does fun little competitions and 
and crazy and drives around in crazy vehicles a little too. So it's a, it's it's a fun show. We it's have really- a lot of we have a lot of wrestling geek fans that not only like last week we had a local wrestling favorite of ours who was on as our guest geek and and we do find wrestling culture just fascinating in general. It certainly is. It's and it's very widespread. I mean, you guys had a wrestling governor. I oh, mean, yeah. let, let's face it. I mean, it's 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 it, it's uh, it's out there. You know, I, I I was into it when I was probably much younger, and then when I was thirteen or so, I sort of got out of it. And, you know, I, I of course I knew who Steve Austin was. He uh, he's probably now the most popular wrestler wrestler in the history of the WWE. Wow. Um, uh, literally, I think he's definitely surpassed Hulk Hogan in that in that regard. And uh, he they keep having him back just to show up for five minutes on TV, and their ratings spike. So USA wanted to do a show with just him, and uh, it was it turned out very popular in our first season. So it's great. What's the hardest thing about your job, Dave? Whew. Ah, you know that's hard. Uh, I mean, I. A lot of people are like, well, how do you do this? How do you do it? It's crazy, you know, what you do. And I'm like, it's what I do. I, 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 it's hard to articulate what I find hard. But, you know, because sometimes we have to move mountains as producers, and I don't mind doing that. We have to set up crazy things. You know, you have to find a tank. It's like, you know, <laughs> in, in Los Angeles is like, you can find anything, um, literally, uh, and in a very short time if you need it. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I dislike is having to whittle down some great footage and, and kill babies in the edit. Right. You know, uh, it's, it's like you have some it's, it's tough. You have to make some tough decisions of some really good content that you don't want to lose. But just to fit time for a broadcast window, you got to cut down to an hour or right. half an hour. Or whatever. I mean, a half an hour, of course, you know, in commercial television is only 22 minutes because of the commercials. Right. And an hour is only about 44 minutes. 46 sometimes if you're lucky so that's the most difficult thing for me is losing good footage and and entertaining stuff but i'll have to say in the last 10 years or so a lot of these networks have well it's definitely out there they they they, uh they've adopted the internet and put up a lot of bonus footage on online and and i think that's great you know i think dirty jobs was actually one of the first to do that we used to make uh, a lot of footage just for the internet we had little segments back in like 2008 2000 maybe even earlier than that with cameras that you can't even find software for anymore (laughs) right but but, uh you know every every show almost has adopted that and puts a lot of bonus stuff for popular shows online so i you know a lot of stuff we do lose does find a home and sometimes it gets more of an audience online too nowadays agreed agreed is there a show you're binging on right now I, we just finished, uh, let's see, uh, oh, uh, <laughs> let me see if you know this show. Hold on one second. Oh, no, okay. here we go. Oh. He has to go get something, everyone. He just ran you know, away. This is going to be interesting. Oh, no. <laughs> no, you are not. Are you serious? How is it? This is, you know what this mask is from. Put it back on. <laughs> there he is. Okay. All right. I have a picture of you with the mask on, so you can tell everybody what the mask is about, Dave. Oh, you, oh it's right. This is mainly audio, correct? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forgot you about that. You work in television. I work in radio. So right. <laughs> One day, uh, I'll just film the whole thing. So. It's, it's a show that just ended on uh, USA called Mr. Robot. Yes. 
Uh, it did four seasons and is probably one of the most brilliantly written shows I've ever seen in my life. I've only seen the first two seasons, so I'm looking forward to just binging the next two. Yeah, yeah, I actually binged the first two a couple of years ago, and then I started over and did it all the way through just recently. We just finished uh, uh, about three weeks ago, and uh, it's just phenomenal. I think the third season a little tailed off a little. They lost their way a little bit, but the fourth season is great. Nice. And they wrapped it up. It's all done. Yeah, it's all done. It's it's like it, it completely done. And it's great because now I work for USA and I know someone who is affiliated with the show and they gave me one of these masks. Nice. So. Nice. Well, I will add that to my list. I remember I only watched the first season of that and I've been wasting a lot of time watching the Tiger King and such right now. So I have I need to have like a quality show palate cleanser because. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Tiger King. That's been going around in social media. I. See, I'm one of these guys, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV, uh, you know, maybe right. because I, 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 you know, uh, although we met through a television show, Shannon, so that's sort of ironic. And people are like, you don't watch, you, you go to TV show conventions, you don't watch, I don't watch a lot of TV. And, you know, and when pe- things get popular and people just want to talk about, I'll refuse to watch them. I'm one of those guys. So I, I don't want to <laughs> watch the Tiger King. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't want to watch the Tiger King. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe one day if I'm not feeling too great about myself, which doesn't happen often. Oh, yeah. He loves um, himself. I'll, I'll watch Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. Jayden and I kind of are in the same boat as you are, Dave. We sat down. It's been a year now, Jayden. Can you imagine? We realize that although we live a lot in this geek world, we don't watch a lot of television either. We watch a lot mm-hmm. of movies. Um, and so to get ourselves back into watching television, we started a game called Pass the Password. So he has a certain number of passwords. I have a certain number of passwords for all the streaming services that you need in order to really be good at watching these shows and then we Ah. pick something and we give each other homework assignments and we say that you have to watch at least two episodes before you tap out and so we have been able to up our um television watching game recently and sometimes we start something and then we fall off of it and so then we go okay we move on to something else but Jayton was actually the one along with a bunch of my other friends that brought up Tiger King and he's right I got sucked into this show it's absolutely ridiculous there's nothing there's no redeeming values about it it's super dumb Um, but I did enjoy it (laughs) in a very schadenfreude sort of way (laughs) so it was very I don't feel like I wasted the time at all but I'm but not that was a there. limited series, of course. Yeah. So, but I think a lot of people are, are, are you know, reticent to try a, a new television show or an old one for that because it's 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 a time suck. I mean, right. Even if it's a four season show like Mr. Robot or something, it's it takes a lot of time. Movies are more digestible, of course. And my problem is I'm I'm a I'm a complete completionist. I, I, I if I start a show, I have to finish it. Right. Even if it's terrible. So that's why <laughs> maybe. I'm reluctant to start a lot of stuff like that. I mean, especially with something like Mr. Robot, which had a definitive story arc in the beginning. Right. Right. Well, to bring you to what we brought you on the show for today, I feel like I need to give a little background about this as well, Jayton. And so this year at Console Room, uh, we're all sitting around again at the bar. And remind you, remember, we're at a a Doctor Who convention. Uh, And so we end up talking about extra hobbies somehow. And... My good friend here, Dave Barsky, brings up this one hobby that he's into. And the thing that I think is so funny is he brought it up in a way as if we were going to clown him for being into something. Now, first of all, we're in a whole convention full of geek people. And he has the coolest job out of any of the geeks 
at this convention. So those two caveats. And then Dave brings up that he's into geocaching. And I was amazed, of course, because here's what I know about geocaching. And normally, Dave, I'll be honest with you, Jaden and I know enough about all of the geek-related topics that our guest geeks come on. We know enough about whatever you do to be dangerous. You brought this up, and I'm like, all I know is that I saw it in an episode of Law & Order, like, 20 years ago. Um, and there, there was a guy that was into like geocaching. And then I think he was the one that got murdered. I don't remember. And I know <laughs> that I am a fan of the two more geek related versions of it. Cause I play Pokemon go and wizard United. So you have no room to be even close to, well, maybe I'm in the geocaching like you were when you brought it up. So, well, listen, uh, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, okay. but I, but geekdom, you know, sometimes doesn't translate okay. or cross over well. All right. uh, so you just never know what people are going to think is nerdy. I mean, I, I've had another Doctor Who friend where, where when I was out, I met him in Vegas. We were both there for a broadcasting convention and he didn't know about my geocaching. And I had to get one that day and I wanted to get one in <laughs> Vegas. And and he's and I said, oh, it's kind of nerdy. And he's like, yeah, that's that's pretty nerdy. I mean, this is a, you should see this guy. <laughs> I, I mean, if it, and I'm not going to say who it is, but he's sort of famous in the Doctor Who community. And he's, uh, uh, man, if, if anyone looks like Poindexter, it's this, it's this guy. <laughs> and I love him. He's a great guy. But, you know, he was calling me nerdy for geocaching. So that, hence my uh, reluctance to uh, broadcast it amongst other friends. Well, how did you even so, decide to start yeah. doing geocaching? Well, interestingly enough, it was during a television production uh, right after I left um, Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmern. I started a new show. I said I left that show because I, I wanted to get out more. And luckily, I got on a show that brought me out. Um, it was called Expedition Unknown, okay. uh, which was on Travel Channel, which is now on Discovery Channel. And uh, the first episode I was doing was on Christopher Columbus. And we're and uh, was, we do reenactments for the show as well as travel to places of interest historically. And I needed some props for the reenactment. So I went online looking for coins of the period of Christopher Columbus. And something came up called a geocoin. And I'm like, what's a geocoin? So I Googled it and immediately came to the geocaching.com website, which is the home for all geocaching. And, you know, geocoins are a whole nother aspect of this thing they're, they're little trackables with numbers on them you can put in geocache you put in a geocache and you, people just own them and they want them to travel you you don't keep them or trade them okay but you just travel it's it's look it, it there's so many tangents i can go off on geocache but anyways so i discovered geocaching through my job and i i thought like i, I investigated what it was and i and it's about finding stuff in on trails and out in the world and it's all over the world and i immediately said eh, that sounds like something i'd be into i love traveling i love hiking uh getting outdoors and uh that could enhance the experience if i'm just doing a trail that i've already done so i immediately downloaded the app and a couple of days later um i uh before, on, while waiting for my ride to the airport to spain i found the geocache that was closest to my house uh and it was a crazy experience it was this pill bottle in a tree a hole in a tree <laughs> and you know all you do is when you find a geocache this was small you just all of them have logs and you just sign the log and you date it and you put it back and you claim that you found it online and you can put a little log online as well 
Now, as I said, you know, some of them are larger where you trade items and things like that. A lot of them are not ur- in urban terms, but the, the ones out in trails have like our ammunition cans a lot. So they're big and you can put little items and people put the coins in them or toys for children and things like that. So, yeah, but I, you know, I was like, I was, I was pretty much, I was like, this is pretty cool. And a couple of days later, I found one in Portugal. Yes. Um, on the island of Madeira and a couple of days after that I found one in Spain so my first three geocaches I found in one week in three different countries and I thought that was pretty cool so, so do how, you how long has it been now these existing geocachers or do you just kind of see what is out there and then you document it take a picture of it or document it on the app like as we say everybody plays the game differently I mean there are certain rules that the official uh, you know company puts together but it's it's use it's a user generated game if for you know a physical user generated game, so you can do what you want. I sometimes put things in. I sometimes take things out. Um, I do take the trackables out. Uh, gee, I don't know if I have that. Um, uh, I used to have a bunch on my desk here, but I put them in my garage because you know I haven't I haven't gone out the bigger ones yet. But they're little items uh, that you can pass. You, you you go from they go from place to place to place, and you log the code, and it you tells what geo tells the owner of that item what where um the the uh uh the 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 item has been and what cash and some of them have been around the world uh you know that you know and you can see a map online of where your your little tracking thing is gone but the geocaches themselves do not move okay um they always stay in place and and things can move between them or you can put things in them or you can just sign the log um, you know, a lot of take a lot of people take pictures of them if there's a if the if the cache is damaged or missing. Um, that happens quite often, more often you think, especially with urban caches. Okay. And who places these geocaching in the first place? Are, are these user put? Like, have you made one and put out somewhere in the world? Yeah, the players themselves put them in the world wherever they want. Um, to this date, I have placed, um, I believe, thirty-two of them uh, that are still active. Um, and there's also things I've also hosted two events. Um, those also count as your font, your hides. Um, I, I kind of hosted an event when I, this past, uh, fall, when I went abroad, I, for vacation, I, I went to Uganda and, uh, on my way there, I went to Dubai and I hosted an event there. If any geocacher can come and they're meet and greets basically for fellow geocachers, unfortunately. And I did one in Entebbe as well. Uh, and, uh, unfortunately, you know, those are smaller places where there's not many active geocachers. So nobody showed up to either of those events. So, you know, that happens, that (laughs) happens. It's fine. And I kind of expected it to happen. Um, but it, it, you know, what can you do? But yeah, anybody can place a geocache or host an event. Okay. Are there like geocaching cons or geocaching conventions or how they have Pokemon contests? Yeah. Well, these 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 events the, uh, that I mentioned that I hosted um, are sort of like that. Mm-hmm. However, you know, anybody can show up. So, you know, there's there's some locally in Los Angeles that you know maybe ten to twenty people show up. The monthly meetings um, with different areas in Los Angeles. However, there are larger ones called mega events, and there's also a couple of giga events. And it depends on how many people say they're gonna show. Usually around, I think it's. 500 people is a mega event and there's there there are some that are annually around the united states and around the world this year happens to be the 20th anniversary of 
of geocaching. Oh. The first one was placed on May uh, May May third of uh, two thousand. And this was going to be a this was going to be a huge year for for the whole sport is as some call it, um, and geocaching.com itself, based in Seattle, was going to hold a huge huge event where people thousands of people from all over the world were going to come up to Seattle for. Uh, that's in limbo right now actually, because right. um, it was supposed to be held on August fifteenth, uh, but a lot of these events are getting canceled of course because of what's going on. Right. So when you are deciding like because you've you sent me a couple screenshots of all of the caches that might be in an area so Mm -hmm. is it can you go okay i know i'm going on vacation to a certain locale do you scope ahead things ahead depends who you are but i always do okay um yeah i mean again there's a there's a lot of ways to play the game and there's a lot of people who are into geocaching or into numbers and statistics and a lot of people just want to get numbers, uh, just want to get as many geocaches as they want. And, you know, the top two geocaches of the world, uh, recently broke 200,000 fines, uh, in the last couple of months, which is a lot. Um, I've been in it for five years now and I have, I'm approaching 10,000 fines. Wow. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, you know, you can, Cash, as they say, you can go out and find like a, a maniac. I've done as many as 300 in a day. But sometimes you just want to go for, um, you know, more interesting ones on a hike. You, know, you, only, you only get two or three perhaps, you know, on a trail or on top of a mountain. How do you do 300 um, in a day? Well, they have these things called power trails. Okay. Where people – now, you're legally, quote, unquote, legally uh, – <laughs> The rules are you cannot, you have, every geocache has to be uh, outside of a quarter mile radius okay. of each other. So you can't place them. But there are highways in the desert, uh, like Route 66 that starts here, well, technically ends here in, in the LA area and goes all the way to Chicago. But in the desert areas of LA and, uh, I'm sorry, in, in California, people have placed a couple of hundred, uh, well, I think there's about 500, over 500 on route 66 and i did 300 on route 66 last december in a couple of days uh well actually i did 300 one day and i did 200 the next day i think and uh, but there's desert roads out here in the middle of nowhere i mean it's mind-boggling uh on the california arizona border someone placed six thousand um on all these roads i haven't been out there yet but i i had a group of friends who uh what was it was it last month yeah last month Five a group of five of my friends did one thousand geocaches in a day. See, and this is why we wanted to have you on the show because normally we'll do a lot of research and figure some things out. And we started looking into this, and we're like, "That's a whole other language." Just, just let Dave tell us, and we'll figure no, out. No, it, it, it certainly is, and and there's a lot of avenues to 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 talk about. I mean, there's just just so many aspects of the game. Like I said. The, the trackables, which are those geocoins and other items that people place, you know, some you can get a trackable dog tag and attach it to any toy or anything you want to it, and it has that number on it, and it's your, it's your travel item, and you just want you can set a goal for it. Hey, I've never been to Hawaii before, but I'd like that this thing to go to Hawaii. <laughs> you know, it's all that kind of stuff. You know, and people have races with them. They put them all in the same geocache, and yet you're, if someone finds it, they can only take one, and they want it to get. You know, uh, how far can it get? How how many miles can it travel in X amount of months? You know, there's all kinds of weird things that people do. Like, So based upon the how broad geocaching is, what kind of fan do you consider yourself in it? Well, like I say, a lot of people play the game differently. Um, I, I, 
I want to get as many as I can. However, I'm not like I need to get all of them. You know, I'm not one of these one of these guys. I uh, I like to accumulate numbers, but in a different way. I, I'm a geography nerd, so um, I want to get at least a hundred geocaches in every state. That's okay. uh, one goal I have, one soft goal I have. Um, there's so many ways to do this. There's all these challenges too that people place, and you can sign, you can find a, a geocache that's a challenge cache and sign the log. But if you don't meet that challenge at the time, you can't claim it as a fine. But later on, months away, months down the line, you can. In fact, uh, I think uh, yeah, the weekend I, I I saw you last in uh, January, a couple months ago, I signed a cache that was a challenge cache in Minneapolis. Um, called the Noel cash. Okay. Uh, and now what you have to do to qualify this for this, this find is you have to find 30, uh, you have to find 30 caches, one per day for 30 consecutive days that do not have the letter L hence Noel, uh, <laughs> in the title. There's a lot of stupid things like that. So I started that streak of 30 days, uh, 20 days ago. So I'm working on it right now. Wow. Going on right now, are people more out there trying to geocache because you can do this? Yeah. I mean, it's a thing you can do by yourself and I've gone every day, you know, for the past month or so people are doing it a little differently. A lot of times people go out together. I think there's less of that right now. All these events have been canceled. The events that I mentioned have been canceled or postponed uh, like some of these mega events is supposed to be one in Kansas where the oldest active geocache in the world is taking uh, is actually hidden uh, in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. They were going to have this event on May 2nd and that's being postponed now. But I, you know, the other thing is people still placing geocaches. I actually, I actually got one that I got a, what is called a first to find this morning. Oh, um, you know, a lot of people are more reluctant to get first to finds nowadays because they don't know who, touched you know, them. who might have been, ex- you know, touched it yeah. recently. But a lot of people are going out uh, ones that have not been found, um, uh, you know, since this began either. So the whole, you know, the distancing thing it does come into play. And I, I have a friend who's a very active geocacher. I actually talked on the phone yesterday because I couldn't find a cache. And I, I, he, and I texted him and he called me to see if he can help. It was missing, actually. This was... I went geocaching in downtown LA yesterday morning. Okay. And, uh, uh, you know, there was nobody, you know, there's a couple of joggers and a couple of people, you know, illegally droning the city, uh, you know, with, you know, flying a drone to get footage of it. But, um, there's virtual caches where you don't have to touch things either. Okay. And I did one of those. Are a lot of the places that you would normally go to find these items, are they closed off to you now because of the things that are going on? Yes, as a matter of fact, they are. And a lot of people are deactivating their caches so uh, you won't encourage people to go into a public park where you're not allowed to go to, for instance. Right. Um, so I, I know some people are deactivating their caches that way. All the trails in L.A. are now um, closed off. Luckily, I'm right on the border of Ventura County, and I can go hiking in Ventura County, which is you know a five-minute drive for, for me right now. They closed off their trails, actually, for the weekends, but now I can go during the weekdays. So, yes, they are. A lot of things are closed. 
Well, we hope like everything else that things get to open back up soon, uh, that we can flatten some curves and actually get out of the houses uh, very soon for all of us. Uh, we can get back to work for all of us. And Dave, you can decide what you want to talk about next time you come on our show because you're going to come on well, the show again, right? We get to give you back. Yeah. See? Well, of course, I'll, I'll talk about whatever you want. I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot of cro- actually there's a lot of crossover uh, geocaching and and, uh, and Doctor Who. Uh, actually, believe it or not, there are a lot of caches. Uh, that are Doctor Who related. People have built life, life-size TARDISes, you know, uh, and they are geocache. In fact, uh, on the Sunday, the last day, I think I saw you. Yes. I went down to Farmington, Minnesota, where there's a little free library that's the shape of a TARDIS and is actually a geocache in there. And I, and I went with the owner of that cache. Um, he's actually a very famous geocacher. He's a Called himself the geocaching vlogger, and he, he's got <laughs> a, a you know a YouTube a YouTube uh, site and uh, channel, and he's uh, you know he was the owner of that, and he did a little video of he and I going to see that. I am going to make sure that we link to that video because I have been uh, you did share that with me, so I'll make sure I link to that so that all of our friends can see that as well, and they can see you before you decided to to grow out that wonderful COVID nineteen. Uh, yeah. mustache that you're growing right now. Your isolation stash? Is that what yeah. we should call it? Is your isolation stash? Probably the best thing to call it. <laughs> well, that's okay, Dave. I mean, I, I poke at you uh, because I adore you. Um, our good friend Jaden, he cut his own hair last week, so the back of his head, he looks great from the front. The back of his head, not so much. So, you fixed it? How'd you fix yeah, it? I did. How'd you uh, fix it? Did you paint shorter. it in with a Sharpie? Did you literally just go keep going shorter until that thing is there? I, I I gotta tell you, I think it looks fine, man. It's great. I, I mean, oh, it uh, was the back, Dave. It wasn't the front. The front looks good. Still, but he still did the front, didn't he? I mean, yes. I mean, come on. I mean, I got lucky. I I got my haircut right before all this all started, you know, and and you know my shop closed down, but. Um, so hopefully I'll be okay. I'm not going to attempt it myself. I, ain't, I, I can't, I can't pull up a chain pole. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how long we end up in this isolation thing. Cause maybe you'll get brave. Cause you know, now's the time go out there, be bold. Hey, if you can wander around in the desert geocaching, you can at least cut your own hair, Barsky. It'll be fine. Oh, listen, if I can grow this mustache, I can grow my hair out. So I'm not going to worry about anything. <laughs> I will be honest with you. I, cause we brought it up at the beginning of the show. That mustache honestly doesn't look bad on you. And I normally am like very con mustaches, but that it's okay. Well, you know, okay. um, I, I wanted, I bring it like down below my, my, my lower lip. You know, my friends and I used to call this uh, the asshole cop from 70s TV. <laughs> yes. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know, so, so I, I didn't want to go full asshole cop, but uh <laughs> So why, so will you promise us this? You can think about what you want to talk about next time you come on the show. And in the meantime, we will get all of our BR Geek family out there to uh, go watch the previous uh, season of Straight Up with Steve Austin. Is that a good trade-off? Well, yeah, that's fine, but I'd rather have them go geocaching. Oh, okay. Well, we can have them do that, too. So if they want to go geocaching, how do they get started, Dave? Go to geocaching.com, and, and you can download the app as well uh, off any app store. Jayton, I do need to check in with you before we close out. I know you were doing some changes over at the Twin Cities Film Fest, so what's going on over there? Yeah, so obviously um, we've been wanting to do this for a couple of years, and obviously this is the right time to do it. We're actually launching a VOD platform on our website. So a video on demand. Yeah, video on demand, and it's called TCFF Streams, and uh, we're doing a beta testing for the next month have uh, 10 feature-length films. We're just doing a $5.99 pay-for-play for for, uh, revenue splitting. 
filmmakers directly giving them money. Again, who knows what's going to happen in October. I'm still planning a full-on film fest in October, but it just gives me a little bit more bandwidth. CFF streams and it launches tomorrow on our website. All right. And that website is TwinCitiesFilmFest.org. You can always find that information and also information about our BR Geek podcast there. You can also find BR Geek on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at BRGeekShow at gmail.com and you can leave a message on our network if you want to go ahead and leave us a message for Message Roulette at 612-276-2774. Please like and subscribe BR Geek wherever you find your podcast. And we appreciate Dave being on the show. Dave, I, uh, I appreciate your geocaching enthusiasm. We hope we get some new people out in the fold for you. That'd be awesome. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> and everybody else, we appreciate you listening to the show. We will see you next time. And remember, we appreciate you because everyone is a geek about something. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.